Hello and welcome to Series 2, Episode 6 of the Sophos Naked Security Podcast. I'm Anna Brady and I'm here with Sophos experts Paul Ducklin. Hello folks. Mark Stockley. Hello. And no one else. We're a bit low on numbers this week. Coming up on today's show, Duck talks about jailbreaking iPhones, I'll be talking about social media hoaxes and Mark talks about a phishing trick that uses the Instagram brand. What have you been up to this week, guys? Before we do that, can I just say congratulations on getting through that intro? Thanks very much. They'll never know that that was the 14th time. <laughs> It was I thought it went really well. well. Thanks very much. Yeah. Thanks. What have you been doing this week? Oh, I was uh, I was on holiday. on holidays. Yeah. Went to my favourite place in the world, the Eden Project in Cornwall. Oh, I saw it and, on Twitter. And discovered a new favourite bird. Oh. Which I know is a subject dear to your heart <laughs> because you're very into your birds, aren't you? I am. So you will like this one. This one's called the Rule Rule Partridge. Okay. I don't know if you've ever seen a guinea fowl. Basically, I'm done. I really want to own guinea fowl. I, have I love on guinea a fowl. Plate. Okay. <laughs> well, in real life, when they're alive, yeah. they're, they're really interesting to look at and they're incredibly noisy. Okay. So I would love to keep guinea fowl, but I can't because ah, basically too noisy. I'd be ejected from my street because yep. they're so noisy. And in the Eden Project, they have rule, rule partridge, which are these tiny little guinea fowl looking birds that go around eating all the bugs that eat the plants. Ah. So they're there to keep the bugs down. And they are. Tiny green cute birds. Oh. And they're now officially your favourite bird. bird. Yeah. I've got so many birds. So I'm many favourite birds, yeah. like that one that died on your back doorstep. And <gasps> Don't talk to me about my pheasant. Duck, what have you been up to? Well, I, yeah, it was a long weekend, so I uh, revelled in England winning the most glorious test match against Australia to <laughs> level the ashes at one to one. And I did a bit of outdoor exploring myself, saw some. I didn't go to the Eden Project, I went to the real wild. Actually, a really great place if you're ever in Oxford should pay a visit to Otmore. It's unspoiled unless our current government manages to bung an expressway through it, which it looks as though they're now not going to do. It's basically a 59 metres above sea level, five kilometres wide bird sanctuary. Glorious place to be. And you can see guinea fowl in real life there. <gasps> and I saw a fantastic heron. I this think all herons are fantastic, but the one I saw was even more fantastic. It's very bird themed. Are we week. all okay yeah. if we just end the podcast? I have to go. To, there are guinea fowl <laughs> <laughs> to need my attention. So if we just we could rush through my bit really quick. We could, or we could just move on to ducks bit now. Duck. Apple broke something with its latest iOS update, didn't it? Well, technically no, because the, ironically, the latest update came out last night, right. which is iOS 12.4.1, where they didn't so much break something as reintroduce a bug that they fixed before. So they had a bug that they, they had some stuff that they needed to patch in 12.3 uh, to stop jailbreaking. And... Uh, it turned out that when they introduced 12.4 just a week ago, they inadvertently reintroduced the code that had the bug in. So for one glorious week, Apple jailbreakers, who love to escape from the strictures of Apple's control over their phone, for one glorious week, people who are on the very, very latest version of iOS were actually in the best position to uh, basically exploit a bug and get free of Apple's locks. So is it a good idea to jailbreak your iPhone then? Well, if you're if you're a keen jailbreaker, obviously it is. And the irony is that what a lot of jailbreakers do is because the jailbreaks of the current uh, version of the official current version of iOS are 
very rare these days because Apple put a lot of effort into making sure that that doesn't happen. Uh, what a lot of jailbreakers do is they actually deliberately stay behind. So it's an irony that one of the reasons that you often hear people giving for jailbreaking is you don't have to wait for Apple to fix bugs. You can get unofficial fixes. You can bung them in whenever you want. Um, but in order to be in a position that you can do that when you want to, you have to hang back and hang back and hang back and not apply updates that Apple have come out with that fix known holes in the hope that the jailbreakers will come out with a way to exploit them, if you like, I'm making air quotes for good, before the crooks figure out how to exploit them for bad. Right. So this was this was just unusual in that the jail to do the jailbreak you actually had to upgrade to the latest and greatest iOS which is not normally something that you see in jailbreaking instructions. It's, it's probably worth clarifying. You said is jailbreaking a good idea? Uh, and Duck's answer was, well, if you're into jailbreaking, yes, it is a good idea. If you're not into jailbreaking or you don't know what jailbreaking is, it's an extremely bad idea. Yeah. Do you want to say what jailbreaking is, Doug? Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. Jailbreaking is essentially where you exploit a security hole in Apple's iOS operating system so that you can evade the security controls that are put in place by the iOS operating system itself. Now, if you think if you have a Mac, and Mac OS and iOS are very, very similar, they come from the same core code, but on a Mac, you can actually, you can wipe your Mac, you can install a different operating system, if you like. You can put Linux or BSD on there if you prefer. Right. Uh, you can even put Windows on a Mac if you're that desperate. Um, you can't do that on an iPhone because the operating system is in this sort of security cocoon that prevents you fiddling with things. Now, Apple put that there, obviously, you could say primarily for commercial reasons. They've, they're selling you the iPhone and the operating system, and they provide the app store, and they don't want you shopping outside the, their, their walled garden or their ecosystem. But there are some good security benefits as well, because it means that if a crook gets hold of your phone or steals it, they can't just go in and recover all the data like they could in the old days if you had a, a laptop and they could take out the hard drive. And that means that a phone where you do keep a lot of secrets, often including things like 2FA codes, maybe backups of passwords, apps that are always logged into Twitter, Facebook, etc. What it does mean is that the, the reason for that cocoon around the phone is it does, it does mean that a crook who just picks up your phone and finds that it's locked with a lock code will indeed have a hard time getting in because there aren't security holes generally that they can just use to evade those controls. So that, that's a long-winded way of saying, basically, the jailbreaking has a commercial benefit to Apple in that it keeps you locked into the iOS ecosystem, Apple Podcasts, Apple App Store, yep. Apple everything. But it does also mean that if someone steals your phone, they can't just plug in a USB cable and, and, and go hell for leather to try and get your stuff off it. Right, okay. And so how did Apple manage to reintroduce this bug then? Well, that is the $64,000 hmm. question, I guess. Clearly, that's not supposed to happen. There's a technical term for this, and anyone, any of our listeners who's ever been involved, maybe not in programming, but certainly in quality assurance, software testing, will know about a thing called regression testing. Now, regression is not, in this context, is not this amazing mathematical stuff you do with statistics to try and fit curves to an unbelievable set of points. What regression means is when you make changes today that inadvertently cause the software essentially to regress in time and reintroduce a bug that you had in the past. And that's really not supposed to happen. And unfortunately, it can happen for lots of reasons. One is that in order to fix a problem today, somebody 
without knowledge of history, might go digging through old code and say, hey, here's a great way to solve it, not realising that the way that that code wasn't used in the past is that it was found to be dangerous. Yeah. Or that when you make changes, you could completely inadvertently make the same similar sort of mistake that someone made in the past. And that's why regression testing says you have a, a tests for all the sea of bugs you've fixed in the past. And whenever you introduce a new version of the software, not only do you test that the new functionality seems to work well, you test that all the fixes that previously applied still apply. Because there's nothing more embarrassing, as Apple found, and nothing more panic-inducing yeah. than finding out that a hole that everyone imagined you'd flushed out to the North Sea forever and ever had suddenly made its way back upstream and back onto everybody's phones. It's not supposed to happen, but I'm, I'm amazed it doesn't happen more often. Because, I mean, it does fall into that category of, you know, bugs that are avoidable because, as Duck says, you can, if you find a problem, you can write a test that demonstrates the problem and then you can test future code using you can you can use that against code that you write in future to say has the problem come back but actually you know there probably isn't any software in existence that's got a hundred percent code coverage yeah it never quite works out that way and i don't think you know the the, the size of projects that we're talking about something like uh, mac os or ios or something like that they these are enormous projects with teams of developers working on them and it's not like you know with the best will in the world, these are probably, you know, developers that don't know each other, that have got contradictory ideas, that, you know, we talk about these companies as if they're one whole thing. Yeah. But you've only got to get, you know, three or four programmers in a room to realise that everybody's not always pulling in the same direction. The, the idea of coordinating that number of developers and producing a, a shippable product, it just kind of leaves me, I, I don't know how they do it. The other problem, of course, is that when you know there's a hole and you're setting out to fix it, then you'll deliberately come up with some kind of proof of concept or a test case that causes the bug to trigger. And you'll use that as the minimum thing you need to avoid to be able to go to your boss and say, I think I fixed the problem. Mm. So you'll come along, someone will review the code. Yes, we think that fixes the problem. You'll bring the test case along, the test case will fail against the old code, will pass against the new code, and so that's a good thing to do. But there's no guarantee that the test you wrote to fix the yep. way you introduced the bug last time yep. is valid against the the way you've introduced the bug this time because, you know, you can imagine then you need you need test code to test the test code and yep. so on ad yep. infinitum. Yeah. How does that rhyme go? What is it? Small <laughs> fleas have little fleas upon their backs to bite them and little fleas have smaller fleas and so ad infinitum. And so it is with testing and bugs. You never quite know when you've really got to the end. Do we know who found the bug? It was a flea, I think. <laughs> Do we know who found the flea? The, the, the bug that was exploited to make the jailbreak work was in fact found by Google, uh, Google Project Zero researcher. Right. It was responsibly disclosed in Google's fashion of responsible disclosure, which is basically they tell everyone the bugs there, they describe roughly how they found it and roughly where it is. It became known as Sock Puppet because it was in the socket handling code. And sockets, when you write a program, you usually use the variable name Sock, and the idea is you can make the socket dance to your tune. Uh, what happened is it was disclosed to Apple. Apple fixed it in May 2019, I think with iOS 12.3. And a couple of months later, the Google researcher said, okay, well, here's how it actually works. And he published 
workable proof of concept code. And then a few days later, he did, unfortunately, update to make his exploit even better. But I'm sure that he didn't think that was particularly evil because two months after the bug's been fixed, you know, Apple's notorious for getting its patches out pretty promptly to the vast majority of users. So he probably felt this is interesting because a way for people to learn how not to make this kind of mistake in the future. Um, Unfortunately, the update to his exploit came out on the 22nd of July, which coincidentally was the very date that Apple came out with its next update, Mm. assuming this one was fixed forever and ever, that inadvertently reintroduced Mm. it. And after a little while, people realised, hey, this bug's back. We can use it for a jailbreak again. And that's how this came out. So it was found by a bona fide researcher. It was disclosed responsibly to Apple. It was fixed. Details about how to exploit it were then revealed two months later, ironically, on the very same day that Apple allowed the bug to Mm -hmm. start working again. Um, A bit of a comedy of errors, if you like. And so what's your advice to regular folk out there? Well, if you have uh, an iPhone... Make sure you get the latest, latest update. And this new version, the only security fix listed is this particular one, which is known as CVE 2019-8605. And just the flip side to that is this bug does, in fact, affect macOS as well. Now, of course, macOS, there isn't the same constraint. You don't need to jailbreak a Mac, so it wasn't such a, a, a... thing of such excitement for Mac users, but there is a Mac update as well. It wasn't seen as as big enough, I guess, to give a whole new Mac OS point release update number. So the update you'll get for your Mac is Mac OS 10.14.6 supplemental update. That's okay. what it's called. So make sure you've got those settings, general software update on your iPhone and Apple menu about this Mac software update on your Mac. Cool. Thanks, Doug. Now, guys, it may surprise you to know that I'm a bit of a fan of social media. So last week, as I was merrily scrolling away on Instagram, I noticed that people were starting to share a post about Instagram changing its privacy policy. Um, According to the post, which is a screenshot of text, Instagram's going to start using your photos even in court cases against you. I know you're worried, Mark. Why is Instagram planning to take a court case against you? And and what kind of photographs is it planning to use? I know what you're thinking. Your photos from Magaluf 2008. That's what you're worried about. (laughs) Did you know about those? All the everything you've ever posted is going to become public, okay? Um, obviously, it's got the celebrities worried as well. Um, celebrities such as Julia Roberts with her six point six million followers, Rob Lowe, Julianne Moore have all shared it to their millions of followers. So, so hang on. So you're saying that the celebrities were sharing this on yeah. on? So obviously it's it's so true. obviously you're wrong. Obviously, I'm wrong yeah. because they wouldn't well, share something that's not true. Yeah. Well, we know She's how much of a fan followers. you are Come on, how many K? have you got? <laughs> not 6.6 million. Well. So then because one social media channel is not enough, I hopped over to Facebook and people were sharing stuff on there too. Um, similar to the one on Instagram, it says the site owns all your content. There's a deadline. You need to post this now, right now. Um, and the Facebook one, I think the Instagram one did as well. It came with a legal statement. Get ready, guys. The violation of privacy can be punished by law, UCC 1-308-1 or 1-308-103 and the Rome Statute. 
obviously it's got it's a complicated code attached to it. Must the be good true. Old exactly, Rome that's the statute. Eh? I know. Don't it's want worrying. to fall foul of the Rome statute. <laughs> of course, it's not true though. The head of Instagram. No, and hang on, hang on. Sorry, I'm going to stop you there. Well, he won't. So I think you've just celebrities were sharing <laughs> something on social media, mm. and you're so you're saying celebrities on social media were wrong. Are you sure? Okay, I need to tell you something, Mark. Okay. They're not always right. I know that you're a fan of Julia Roberts, <laughs> but sometimes well, she isn't? gets things who wrong. She's... I'm actually not. Not a massive fan of birds, not a massive fan <laughs> of Julia Roberts, but I do like social media. Okay. Mark went to the fire festival and thought it was wonderful. <laughs> he enjoyed he every cheese sandwich that was presented to him. Don't talk to him about fire. He's still getting over the fact that he's <laughs> spent a lot of money on the flights. <laughs> So we've seen this sort of thing reasonably consistent since Facebook began. Uh, we've got stories from most years on naked security just of this hoax, but there's other ones. So there's obviously the privacy policy change, which we hear about often. There was the duck you wrote up the change your picture to uh, change your profile picture to a photo of a giraffe. Or don't change it. Apparently, if you did change it to a oh, giraffe, bad things it. would happen. I, I, I still. <laughs> I still don't fully stop, understand. Stop resist that urge. To, 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 to. I, I still don't fully, uh, even though I wrote this up and read about it in great detail, I only vaguely understand why people thought this was a good slash bad idea. But that was the story. Do not change your profile picture to a giraffe or bad things will happen. Mm. I love giraffes. They're great. So then, so then there was the uh, Talking Angela hoax, which, Mark, I know you're a massive fan of. Oh, don't, don't get so me that, started on the talking angel hoax. So that was the there was concern that a and there was an app called Talking Angela. So which there's was, a, there's a whole load of apps that are yes, exactly the same. Talking Tom, Talking Tom, Talking Angela, talk, and they are the kind of fairly rudimentary apps of, of you know there's a there's a there's a, an animal like an anthropomorphized yep. anthropomorphized animal and you're chatting to it mm. and so it's. It's asking you questions. They they all do. They all do exactly the same thing, and they ask you the same questions. And because it's aimed at kids, it asks you questions like, "Where do you go to school?" Mm. and "What's your name?" And so somebody decided that talking Angela, which is just one of these many similar apps, was obviously a tool being used by paedophiles because it was asking these kinds of questions mm. that only a paedophile would ask, like, "Where do you go for school?" But and also, also the the big concern was that if you zoomed in on the eye of Talking Angela, you could see a man sitting inside the eye, which was probably yes. likely I mean, the paedophile watching your children. When we say it was a tool used by paedophiles, we we mean the paedophile <laughs> was actually in the app, the <laughs> tiny paedophile inside the app, looking out. But even even worse than the hoax, even more ludicrous than the hoax is actually if you go and read the comments that people left on the Naked Security article about this yeah. is the kind of advice that people were dishing out. So basically you've got one group of people and this thing escalated over the course of a week. There were accusations of kidnapping mm. and all sorts of things. You know, my friend had this app and they learned that somebody in Mexico was kidnapped. And, and that's and the, the same with the Momo Challenge as well. That same oh, thing happened. But the, the advice, like, if you find out, like, if you genuinely believe that you've got this terrible thing on your phone, what would you do? What would you do? You would immediately remove it. And people were saying, no, just cover the camera. <laughs> Why do you want to carry on talking to this thing? As I said, Mark's not passionate about this subject at all. What, just... was, what was really bad in the case of that hoax was the fact that the people who felt they were injecting a voice of reason oh. into something that had gone crazy were saying, well, 
Nevertheless, the company that made this app should be banned from the App Store and Google Play. Yeah. And then even more reasonable people would say, no, that's a little unfair. They haven't, we haven't proved they've done anything wrong, but they should voluntarily remove the app of their own accord because mob rule. And you just think that there's, there, there would must have been hundreds of thousands or even millions of people around the world worried about what their kids get up to on their phone who'd go looking through, see these talking apps. There was a parrot. As you say, there was Tom, which was the other talking cat. Somehow he was OK, whereas Angela wasn't. And remove this app and imagine that they'd actually done something to improve their kids' security. So to com- not just... Was it unfair against the company that made the app? It was just this idea that you could go and do one minor, tiny little talismanic thing and somehow all your security problems would be over. And I think that's the, that's the really dangerous part is it's not just that it wastes your time, but that it gives you this incredibly false sense of security. Yeah. And I don't get why people would knowingly perpetuate something just in case. Well, so, so another, another celebrity, big one, Usher, remember him? Um, he posted the privacy policy thing and he posted it with a note next to it saying better safe than sorry. And I guess that's what people are, that's what people think. You know, what's, what's the harm? Just just share it and then you're covering your bank. Yeah, Not I, a good I sort of idea. get the idea, but... Yeah. You know, it just, the, particularly with this, this current one, particularly since that hoax has been around for so many years in the same form, what this is saying is that Nobody who's shared this, nobody who's forwarded just better safe than sorry, has spent even two seconds checking whether there's even the slightest grain of truth in something that yeah. begs belief in the first place. But I guess place. people are busy, aren't they? So, and and if I, you can I, quickly copy and paste that, I have a real problem with this people. idea of better safe than sorry. I mean, I think in cases like this, it, it's this idea that there is there is a consequence from one action and there's mm. no consequence from the opposite yep. action and it's just not true in exactly. life. No, exactly. And if you if you do this, if you perpetuate this, you're telling other people you think this is true, totally. whether there's a doubt in your mind or not, and you're saying actually maybe it's not true, but it's better to be safe than sorry. You're telling other people you think it's true. Yeah. Okay. So you are adding to the voice mm-hmm. of of uh, one side of this. Yeah. And. At the at the very least, you're training people to be, um, you know, on the wrong stuff, and you're desensitising them to the wrong stuff and the wrong kind of security advice. Yeah. And at the other extreme, we've got things. If we go back to talking Angela, you know, this idea of being better safe than sorry. There were there were real people who whose job it was to code that app mm. that was entirely without foundation. Those people are effectively being accused of aiding and abetting yep. paedophiles. Yeah. So. There's all this energy going into solving a problem that doesn't exist yeah. and dragging these poor people through the mud. I remember the guy at the time, one of the developers contacted us and said, this is just crazy. Thank you for writing an article that just sort of tries to quell it a bit. Yeah, yeah. it's very easy to forget that there are there are often people on the other side mm. of this when there's a, you know, that was an absolute mob. Yeah. but And then you, and you look at the stats, you know, even if you, even if you go somewhere comparatively safe, like Google Play, there are loads of instances of people actually getting real malware that steals data, that gets passwords, that could end up causing them financial harm or, you know, allowing them to be stalked or whatnot. There are, if not zillions, at least a credible threat posed by stuff that you could be looking out for. 
And all of the time you're being told, I better be safe than sorry, just remove this app. And then you kind of feel like you've done something. Mm. So I agree with you, absolutely. It's, it isn't better safe than sorry just doesn't add up. No, better truth than falsehood, I would mm. say. But there's really no better place for crazy than social media. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you agree, Mark, that there's this sense that, that, when, that with hoaxes like this, it's the, the fact that people go, OK, I didn't believe it but I thought there was like a one in 100,000 chance that it might be true. And then they look around and 100,000 other people have said they think might be true, and therefore 100,000 times by one 100,000th is truth. In other words, they, there's this amplification factor that is so much bigger with social media than it could ever be with word of mouth that helps these things not only get believed but get believed over and over and over again. Yeah. Because yeah. this one goes back to, what, 2012? This, yeah, this, we've this, been writing about this since this the beginning of Facebook. This copy and paste hoax and that they'll own all your photographs. Mm -hmm. Oh, And also this idea that you can vary a contract you've already entered into just by posting something online. Yeah. You know, what a great way to get out of owing somebody money. Yeah, oh, no, I don't owe you anymore. I've changed my mind. I do not wish to continue repaying this debt. Thank you very much. Rome statute. That doesn't yeah. work. I no, think apparently should... not. I think we should call it what it is as well, which is it's social engineering. Mm. You know, just because it's not a a particular criminal with malicious intent, you know, trying to persuade you of something, yeah. doesn't really make any difference. I mean, it, it's, it preys on the way that we're wired. So obviously humans, they don't learn absolutely everything themselves from scratch yeah. in their life. An awful lot of what we do, we simply rely on what other people do and yeah. go, okay, well, that looks pretty safe. They haven't died yet from yeah. doing that. I will copy them. It's yeah. actually a very useful survival strategy saves yeah. you a lot of time and a lot of um, trial and error and mistakes but it leaves us prone to certain kinds of social engineering mm. like this I so as duck says you know if a mob of people are saying this is true then we're kind of wired to think well yeah there's a better chance that it actually is true yeah i remember being absolutely terrified of those chain letters when i was younger like receiving them mm. in a in an envelope from your friend that said if you don't forward this to 12 people they die but it's that's working entirely as designed yeah yeah you know, no, no. And that's the, Pray again, the come back to this idea of being better safe than sorry. Yeah. The cost is that feeling. Yeah. Okay, so you were feeling that then. There'll be other people now of the same age seeing similar mm. things. But it's you, not just young people, is it? It's, 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 it's anyone. On, it's a lot of people on social media. Yeah. Anyway, what can people do? So number one thing, obviously, is don't spread the hoax. Um, don't follow celebrities. <laughs> <laughs> is that Such a cynic. <laughs> Don't do what a celebrity tells you just because they did, just because they posted something online. Celebrities That's good can advice. be wrong, folks. Celebrities can be wrong. What's your problem with celebrities? <laughs> okay, how long have we got, Alice? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So every time you post a hoax like this, you are spreading it and you're risking scaring more people, like we just said. Um, check the post for spelling and grammar. So if something's written properly, it doesn't necessarily mean, like you were saying, it doesn't necessarily mean it isn't a hoax. But if it's badly written, it probably didn't come from a lawyer or from Instagram or from Facebook or from an official source. So you can't... Another thing is that you can't copy and paste your way out of terms of service, like we were just saying, Dirk. And if you see your nearest and dearest posting a hoax, explain to them why it's not a good idea and why it's a bad idea to spread this stuff, because at least then you're trying to help. We, we had thousands of shares on our article on Facebook um, about this hoax. So people are still worried and people are still trying to tell others that it's not a good idea.
And, it, and it, just just on the spelling and grammar, I would say that if if people are using any more than the absolute minimum number of capital letters required <laughs> by the rules of grammar in order to say something on social media, you can safely ignore it. What about if they use three exclamation marks behind each point? Yeah, def- definitely, definitely <laughs> ignore that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it was sad, wasn't it, to see uh, a number of people on our Facebook page saying thanks for right, thanks for mm. posting this. Unfortunately. Every time I try and bring this up, which I've done over and over the in the years with my friends and family, they say, better safe than sorry. Yeah. So that really is the message that's kind of sunk in. And that really is the main thing that we have to change. Every, every minute that you risk persuading someone else to waste their time doing something that will actually make no difference to their cybersecurity yep. is a minute you could have talked them into doing something useful, yep. like turning on 2FA or fiddling around with a, learning how to use a password manager or just maybe adding three characters to their password. That might help. Yeah. But just getting them to do something which will have no effect whatsoever, what a terrible collective waste of time. Yeah. Um, Mark, we saw an interesting fish this week, didn't we? We did, we did. Well, uh, Duck saw it, but I'm going to talk about it. So I'm going to start off with a question for a change. Okay. So, Anna. Yeah. How do you spot a fish? Not, um, not the wriggly kind that you find in a fish tank. How do you no, spot they're a quite fish? Easy to P-H-I-S-H-I-S-H. Spot. Yeah. Um, you well, one thing look for spelling and grammar, but we know that's not always the uh, yeah. Case. It's actually really hard. It is. It it's is it way is really harder hard. than it used to be as well. In fact, it's so. I would argue that it is um, possibly the most difficult, mm. certainly one of the most important questions in computer security. Yeah. Um, and my story this week is about a phishing campaign that's targeting Instagram users, uh, and it shows why it's a difficult question. So the email in question uh, pretends to come from Instagram and it warns you that somebody has tried to log into your account. Right. Which is the kind of email that people are increasingly seeing uh, from the big social media companies. Yeah. It reads, hi, your name. Somebody tried to log into your Instagram account. If this wasn't you, please use the following code to confirm your identity. Please sign in. And then sign in is a link. And that's followed by a six-digit code. Um, it's got all the Instagram branding that you would expect from an Instagram email. Right. And it's even got the appropriate copyright messages. So it's not just the flashy stuff they've mm. got right. It's got the boring stuff right on there as well. Yep. And the code on the end is quite unusual, but it's got the smell of security about it, which is quite interesting. Those six digits, uh, that looks an awful lot like a 2FA yeah, token. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So if you use... If you use hardware uh, like RSA tokens or if you use SMS messages for two-factor authentication, then chances are you're getting a six-number uh, code. Yeah, and people like Google email them to you as well, don't they? Oh, do they? I think so. Oh, so six, this is- six digits is the standard length for a yeah. TOTP, the, the, the app-generated token as well. Yeah. The ones you get inside Facebook, um, the ones that... Sophos Authenticator, Google Authenticator, all those programs generate. TOTP is the that's the yeah it's one the time, time protocol, isn't it? based. It's the the six digits that change yeah. every thirty seconds. And top of the pops, they are essentially are six <laughs> digits. So yeah, it looks like the real deal. And ironically, when you do get them in the in apps and in messages, they generally are a little bit bigger, aren't they? They're kind of bolded out like yeah. they are in this. It, it just and what what I think about this as well is. We talk about 2FA an awful lot, yeah. but actually most people don't know what it is and almost nobody uses it. And I th- I think if you got an email like this and you didn't know what 2FA was, I don't think you're going to be any less convinced. No. But if you do know what 2FA is and you see that code in there, mm. I think this is the kind of thing that might tip you into believing, oh, yeah. this actually, this looks genuine. 
so it's it's clever because it's actually turning that concern that we have about our security and our social media accounts against us, both in the premise of the email itself, mm. because uh, you know online services like Google are they're getting very good at spotting sort of suspicious and yeah. uncharacteristic behaviour. So if you log in using a different browser or a different computer or from a different country, then you might get an email like this from that service yeah. saying, oh, something weird's happened. So it's clever because it's actually turning that concern that we have about our security uh, against us, both yeah. in the premise of the email itself. So online services like Google, um, you know, they're getting very good at spotting unusual behaviour. Mm. Uh, and when they spot it, they typically send you an email to let you know. Um, but also in these sort of little touches like the code. Um, and like a lot of social engineering, it's uh, it, a lot of effective social engineering, it's plausible. There's a serious consequence mm. attached to not responding to it. Yep. And there's a reason for you to act straight away. Yeah, no one wants to lose control of their exactly. social media. Yeah. Exactly. And it, I think, you know, you mentioned not, not a lot of people use 2FA. I think more people use it than we give them credit for, but they don't use it all the time. Mm. It's become something that goes with the exception rather than the rule. Yeah. Therefore, it's something you go, okay, maybe it was, maybe it was me, I'd better check. And you kind of, it doesn't have, it has importance, but it's kind of, they've backed off a little bit from that, that terrible urgency that a lot of people use to go, that sounds like a fish. Uh, so we've spoken about the email and how mm. convincing the email is. Obviously, it's a phishing email, so it links through to a fake website, and the fake website carries that uh, sort of convincing branding through. It comes complete with a security certificate, so the website is served over HTTPS, which is becoming the norm now for all websites, whether they're phishing websites yeah. or regular websites. Um, and uh, if you do a side-by-side -side comparison between the fake login page and the actual Instagram login page that you get on the web, they're mm. virtually identical. If I showed them to you, the, I think the only difference is you get a login with Facebook option on the legitimate right, okay. Instagram uh, page. Obviously, the it's fishers weird. don't Normal want to include that one. Yeah. yeah, It's weird that normally people expect that the fishers will ask for extra stuff, like your mother's maiden name and your birthday and all. Here, they've actually asked you for less. Mm. Presumably, they don't want you running, getting distracted by the login to Facebook link because then they'd have to have a clone of the Facebook page as well. Mm. So it's quite amazing that they, it's sort of gone the opposite way from what you might expect a phishing page to do, asking for less rather than more. And the, the, the only giveaway... Uh, is actually the domain name itself, right, okay. which is very obviously not uh, an Instagram.com domain. Uh, Duck, you did a little sidebar about the domain. Would you like to reprise for our <laughs> uh, our listeners? Yes, it's .cf, which is the Republique Centrafrique, Central African Republic in English. It's a along with a a, a few other African countries. You know that they want to try and get along in the world is they've done a deal with a domain name registrar that you can get their domain names for free unless they happen to be very short or dictionary words and then they want $500. So it's a way of attracting, they're trying to go for a freemium model mm. for domain names that get people used to them. So you can get, if you wanted a word like, for example, login.cf, I think that's already gone, mm. but you'd have to pay money because logins in the dictionary is recognised as something people would want. But if you misspell it a little bit, you might be able to get it for free. And it looks as though that's exactly what the crooks had done here. Mm. So there is no... And people go, oh, that's terrible. You know, why should you have free domain names? Well, why should you have free web certificates? I mean, why shouldn't people have domain names for free? I think that's the argument. Yeah, I think that's looking so for barriers in the wrong place, isn't the, it? You know, the, the, 
the, yes, it, because if the crooks really wanted to do this and thought they could make more than $500 out of it, it was yeah. worth paying They're $500. They're very obviously not averse to spending money. And so they, obviously they just decided to do a free registration, which does mean they can do several of them, and that means that it kind of looked a little bit believable. But, of course, the problem is that by we, we've spoken about this before, what 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 we refer to as left stuffing domain names you can you don't you can actually put a whole load of stuff at the left hand end of a domain name like www.instagram.com.superduper.real.genuine.site. Mm. the real domain name and then when you log in particularly in a browser on a on a you know, on a budget laptop without a very high resolution screen or on a mobile device you don't see the whole domain name anywhere you just see a padlock and you click on it, it says yes there's a certificate for the site and people need to remember that the certificate validates that whoever asked for the certificate was able to log into the site. So they were controlling it at the time they requested the certificate, and it keeps the traffic encrypted while you're on that site. It doesn't vouch for the content of the site. It doesn't say, this person is trustworthy. It simply says the traffic to the site is encrypted so it can't be modified or eavesdropped. Yeah. So that brings us back to my original question which is how do you spot a fish? Given all of that, given sophisticated fishing campaigns like this one, how do you spot a fish? Well, the old advice uh, and the stuff that you said at the beginning and at that still holds true. So looking yeah. for bad spelling and grammar, is it's still a good idea, but it's not enough on its own. So basically, if you see mistakes like that, assume that you're reading a phishing email. But if you don't see mistakes like that, don't assume that the email is same as the hoaxes. Okay, exactly yeah. the same as the hoaxes. Well, they're both social engineering at the end yeah. of the day. So in his article about this, Duck left us with three warning signs to look for to add to the bad spelling and grammar. Okay. So look for sign-in links in emails. And if you're a company sending out emails, please don't send out emails with sign-in links in them. Plus let's, one. Let's mm -hmm. get everybody used to the idea that, you know, sign-in links don't belong in emails. Uh, unexpected domain names. So if you're a frequent social media user... Um, I, I guess most people don't use the actual website. So Instagram, I'm unusual. I use Instagram.com rather than the actual <laughs> oh, man. app, which I've noticed the young people do. Um, <laughs> but look, in this case, I think it's, uh, if you're even vaguely familiar with Instagram, it's very obvious that the domain name is wrong. And that yeah. was the big warning signal here. Uh, and then finally, unreasonable requests. Um, at the end of the day, fishers have to get you to do something. Mm. So you have to just get used to asking yourself, is this, does this look genuine? Is this a reasonable for the thing for them to ask us to do? And that, again, that comes back to this idea of logging links in emails. Yeah. It's not reasonable for somebody to ask you to log into a service using a link that you get in an email. Yeah. And it's not reasonable to ask people to do that either. Going back to the um, unexpected domain name, when you click on a link, well, when you if you clicked on a link in a phishing email, talking about the app, it's, it wouldn't open it in an app. So maybe that's another sign, is it? So if I like, was thinking about that, yeah. but I'm not actually I'm not a proficient enough user of Instagram to to offer that up. So I'm glad you mentioned. that. I would have thought if you're following if you're following something in an email, it's going to take you to the app. If you're so the normal behaviour you're yeah. saying is that if you've got an email with a login link for Instagram, and you clicked on it on your phone, well, yeah, or some your kind phone of link, would yeah. say. Do you want to open this in the yeah, app? Yeah, that's a normal behaviour for anything yeah. on a mobile phone. Interesting. Although in this case, to be fair, they've kind of created this expectation that this is 
it's not an emergency, but it's a slightly unusual case. So you know, yeah. normally you open the Instagram app, you've, you're kind of pre-logged in, it just opens up, there you are. Yeah. Uh, whereas in this case, they're saying, actually, what you need to do is, this is a little different. You need to go and validate that it really yeah. was you. So suddenly you get a page that it looks exactly like the Instagram page. You think, okay, they want to know who I am before they tell me whether it was me or not. Fair enough. Yeah, so I, I just think see- it, would look, it would look different on a mobile, wouldn't it? You would, you would just, the normal behaviour is you would never get taken to Instagram.com on when you're on your mobile phone. I suppose the general lesson from that is just look for things that, yeah, that are, are a little unusual. bit odd, a little bit out, out yeah. of the ordinary. And um, absolutely learn for every app that you use for social media. Learn how to use the app to navigate to the login activity page where you can see the the list of who has logged in and that's the one true way to go and test whether it was you or was somebody else. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are the things to look out for. There are things that you can do to defend yourself as well to make these things less likely. Yep. So on an individual level, there's a couple of things that you can do. The first one is use a password manager. If you let a password manager manage the business of remembering, creating and suggesting passwords for things, they won't offer the the right password yep. for the wrong website. Mm-hmm. True. So the password manager isn't going to try and enter your Instagram password into yep. anything that isn't Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a great kind of fallback. Uh, and the same is true also if you do, if you're one of the rare people that actually uses two-factor authentication, if you use a hardware key like a YubiKey, yep. it won't authenticate against the wrong website either. You so say that- one of the rare people, but everybody should be doing it. Yes, but I mean, let's be honest here. Yeah, we, yeah. You know, if we're talking to people that are using two FA already, then we're talking to quite a small number of yeah, people of um, who are probably slightly better prepared for dealing with these kinds of things anyway. Um, and then, if you're a business, there's a few more things that you can do. Um, so, when you see well-executed phishing attempts like this, I think it's very easy to forget that for every phishing attempt that you see. There's actually a whole graveyard of spam mm. and phishing emails that you didn't get, and that's because they were stopped somewhere by a bit of uh, antivirus software on your email gateway or by a spam filter. So that stuff remains important. That is actually stopping an awful lot of rubbish yeah. getting through to your users that your users might believe if they saw it. Uh, and the other thing is training. Training for your employees, because the front line of the individual people getting the emails that yep. do get through... Um, and so, and as this attack shows, you know, phishing tactics change over time. So your re- user education has to uh, keep pace with that as well. Yeah. So we should mention at this point, so in on the user education point, Sophos has a product called Fish Threat, uh, which delivers training and it simulates phishing attacks. And yep. it's kept up to date by Sophos Labs in terms of, you know, what are the current uh, phishing attacks. And of course, you know, your your local uh, Sophos reseller will be happy to talk to you about email <laughs> gateway solutions as well, I'm sure. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. We've got some questions on social media, but we're going to have to rush through them because you talked for a long time. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, No, because we're nearly at a time limit. So uh, first question, if I browse incognito mode, can others still access my browsing data? One word answer. All right, not one word. Yes. Okay. What is safer to use, Android or iPhone? iPhone. Come on. Ooh. Oh. Where's We have this every time. It's like there's you can't give a security answer. That's down to your fanboy status. Yeah. You can you can be you can be insecure with both platforms. You can be pretty secure with both. Yeah. A lot of it, to be honest, does depend on you. Yeah. Okay. That's it, guys, for the, this week. Thanks, Mark. 
Thanks, Dirk. And thanks to our producer, Alice, who, as ever, has done a, an amazing job. Well done, Alice. Good job. Should we talk about the incident that just happened? Alice, <laughs> it's the highlight. Is this, why, this is why Alice oh, was rushing on, us through. We're, we're nearly out of time. Alice, folks. Is, Alice, nearly out time. Yeah. Alice, is, <laughs> Alice has rushed us through the end of the podcast because she needs to go home because she's realised she has a sizable slit up the back of her skirt that she didn't realise was there. And I spotted it for her. It's good job we don't work in a glass office. <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, where can we find you on social media Mark you can find me at Mark Stockley on Twitter and at Internet Events it's also the name of it is, still, is that still Internet of Sourdough it, might, it may have changed to Internet of Sourdough I've been posting a lot of pictures of bread oh, lately yeah. it was very exciting it's very exciting Mark um, Duck I am at Duck Blog on Twitter and at P Ducklin on Instagram testing the pop filter there <laughs> Um, I'm at Anna Brading on Twitter and we're at Naked Security on most of the platforms. Um, tune into our Facebook Lives every week um, on Naked Security. They're usually on a Wednesday or a Thursday. And if you like our podcast, please rate and review us. And also you can subscribe and then you get access to our content as soon as it's out. Tweet us at Naked Security or email us at tipsatsoffers.com with suggestions or questions for the podcast. And until next time, stay, stay secure. secure.